go and put my hand under your side. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here. Lovely to be in your home. I don't think I've ever drunk so much good coffee and had so many Swiss roll pieces. So what a great uh, host you guys are. I'm sounding quite tinny, is that, uh, is, but I'll just get used to that. Um, or must I move this? Is that okay, huh? Good. I wanted just to show a few pictures of my family um, to prove that I am married and that I do have children. And so um, uh, there's my kids, Jess and Emma, Nathan and Jupes, four children, and um, my wife, Tash. Jess is actually um, wanting to study medicine next year. And uh, so she had a science exam today. And so Tash said, please, could she be released uh, for this weekend just so that she could uh, be with our kids over this time. And, uh, and then tomorrow, um, we have a youth service, and uh, my eldest daughter is preaching. Uh, I didn't arrange that. Our youth worker did. And then my second daughter is doing worship. And so uh, it was a special day for us tomorrow um, as, uh, as, we, as we serve God. And um, then I've just got a few pictures of the church that give you something of an idea of who we are. Uh, there's a baptismal pool, and uh, there's some kids. Uh, we have, uh, we're right opposite a township, and so we've got lots of little kiddies that come, um, and uh, uh, really been a delight. Uh, next picture, um, that's a picture of uh, our, our church, and um, the church is, I was telling the leaders, and the leaders, you're going to hear the story like four times, sorry guys. Um, the church is um, right opposite the road from a township in Port Elizabeth. Township, road, our church, road, white middle class suburb. And so um, you can see in the next picture we'll show you as well, um, uh, the majority of our church um, are Africans and uh, come from many different nations. And I just love the different uh, vibrant colors that you see that they where to church. And I think that's it. There might be one more. Um, yeah, that's something of our, um, of our church. And um, on, on, um, what you can see there is once a year we have a lunch around the world, which I'm sure most churches do. Um, but so you get to bring your food from your country. And uh, I think there's about 15 or 16 different countries that get represented there. And then we have a competition, which country produces the best food. So last year, Zambia won. I don't know if you guys are any from Zambia in this church, but Zambia is the country to beat for their cuisine. India was a close second. <laughs> My vote went for India. My wife cooked Indian, but uh, she's, uh, she's obviously white, but we come from Durban, and so that's the closest thing that we can, that we can do. Um, I wanted to say that I'm deeply encouraged by the evidence of God's grace um, over you as a church. It's my first time. Uh, Mike and Daphne, I've been driven past the church, but I've never been in. And um, so last night we had the privilege of meeting uh, with some of you. And um, I just listened to the stories that you told. That's all I did. And I'm so deeply encouraged by what I see. And I really mean that. It's not something that we just say up front to try and create a bridge. That would be unhelpful and a little bit manipulative. 
Um, but I'm, I am deeply encouraged. I'm deeply encouraged by this venue. And I want to take a moment to honor Mike and Daphne and um, your team that bought this land, that had the faith to put up such a beautiful facility. And, um, and I'm also deeply encouraged that which you have built, there is such health going into the future. And I can think that there's nothing better um, for a leader that when you see health, when you've handed over. And so um, I'm also the recipient of a couple who worked hard and gave me a gift and gave Tash and I a gift and gave the next generation. And I recognize um, it's an incredible gift. And so I want to honor you guys and say you have given an incredible gift to this next generation. And um, I hope that's not rude to say that as if you have stopped counting, but sometimes we can use that language. And I want to say to the next generation, and that's not an age thing, that's just something of, of, uh, um, of what God does. There is no, you finished, we'll take over from now, but there is something um, where, where the younger people carry more weight, yes, and more responsibility, and the older people get to be grandparents. Yes, we'll look after the baby, but then it's yours. <laughs> um, and... Uh, um, I want to say that uh, you've been given a great gift, and we always want to steward gifts well, because at some stage, you'll be sitting as grandparents, and you'll say to the next generation, come on, let's take it further. And um, uh, I love the, the tests me of, of, of this church, and the words that I heard was, um, that came from you is that in this church, I was, be, became established in the things of God. In this church, I found a family to belong in this church, I found freedom. In this church, I found a place to become whole again. In this church, we see it becoming a church that impacts the nations. We see it being a key church into the, into the city. In this church, we see a melting pot, something of what the kingdom of God looks like. And so there are incredible things that both God has done and will do. Yeah? And so um, uh, the writer to the Hebrews says that through faith... And patience, we inherit the promises of God. The writer to the Hebrew says that there are two requirements to enter into the promises of God. They are faith and patience, and we need both. If we're just a people of faith, in other words, what is faith? Faith is trusting God for the promises. God, you're going to do it. We don't see it, but we believe it. We're acting as if it's already done. We're a people of faith. We speak it out in faith. We act in faith. And faith is beautiful and faith pleases the Lord. But faith alone is not enough. It's not enough. That's to inherit the promises of God. You need another characteristic, and that's patience. And patience is what I want to look at this afternoon. And um, if you just have patience... You never get anywhere because you're just patient. Well, we'll just keep going. If you just have faith, chances are you'll get a little bit tired and perhaps even a little bit burnt out. But both, God is designed for us to walk in both. So this afternoon is patience and um, tomorrow morning faith, God willing. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at your words, I really pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, would strengthen us, and encourage us. I pray that this would be exceedingly helpful for this beautiful church called Covenant Grace, that you love 
that you celebrate and that you've got great purposes for. And so we trust you for these things in Jesus' name. I've got some pictures of some, some trees uh, in our church. So when we got to our church, um, uh, we had no uh, walls, and the goats ate everything. Seriously, the go- we have goats and cows in Port Elizabeth, if you've been there, and they wander even in the suburbs. You can see a goat outside your house. And um, in case you thought we were a mega city, we aren't. <laughs> so the goats would, you know goats, they just eat everything. So we had no vegetation. And when we had the money to put up a wall, all I wanted was trees. So I went to the nursery, and um, uh, it looks beautiful, huh? Um, and uh, I went to the nursery, and I said, I would like the slowest-growing trees. They said, the slowest-growing trees we've got are yellowwoods. They take 25 to 30 years to grow to maturity. I said, great, I'll take 13 and, um, uh, to plant around uh, our property. And they said, brilliant, but why do you want yellowwoods? And so I said, I want yellowwoods because when I get frustrated at the slow growth of the church, I would walk outside and re- be reminded that it takes a generation to build a healthy church. And I want to say, friends, um, and you've got some yellowwoods outside. I think you've got Otaniqua yellowwoods, Mike. Am I right? Otaniqua yellowwoods are, do you know, indigenous to the Eastern Cape? Actually, to Otaniqua. That's why they're called Otaniqua yellowwoods. I think they're Otaniqua. I'm pretty sure they are. Um, and those are indigenous to the Eastern Cape. So there's a connection already. But if you have a look at your yellowwoods, you will see some are slow to grow. You've got some here and you've got some outside. Did you know that? You see, you're learning already. And, um, and I hope that they are a reminder to you that the purposes of God are magnificent, but they often take more time than what we are aware of. The purposes of God are magnificent, but it often takes more time than we are aware of. And sometimes the physical trees just help us. And so if you can have a look at the, the next slide, <coughs> uh, that's one of the, the trees that's grown really tall and really quickly, but it's got a bit windswept. It's right in the corner of our, our, our property. It doesn't look that good at all. It actually, I sometimes want to cut it down. It just looks ugly. Um, next one, um, uh, that's probably about four meters and it's growing nicely. Uh, next one, um, there's, there's the one on the left-hand side, it looks okay, but, but it's because it's been hidden by a tree, but it's actually, it hasn't grown well. And the one on the right-hand side, it's just growing beautifully. Um, and then I think I might have one more. And that's in our, in our courtyard, and that's also growing beautifully. That's about five years, I mean, five meters. So I've said to the Lord, Lord, when the birds begin to nest in those trees, perhaps it's time for me to leave. <laughs> and I haven't seen birds <laughs> nesting yet. <laughs> they come, but they haven't made nests. Um, and you know what, friends? A couple of things about these trees. Number one is those trees are now 14, 15 years old. And they've been slow to grow. But secondly, they've grown completely differently. Some have just remained like a shrub. Some there have split, you know, two. They've kind of all have taken a life of their own. And there's something beautiful about the work of God in a family. Every person grows in a different way, in a different direction. And some of the people just grow strong, rooted in God. And some are just windswept by the realities of life but they're all beautiful in the eyes of God. And I want to say to you as leaders, as leaders, because this is a leadership moment, 
all of us must mature in the way that we lead people. And I'm calling us to mature in, in this afternoon in the area of patience when, in the way that we lead people. And so I want us to, um, um, to, to look at Scripture and just help us around this area of patience. James chapter 5 and verse 7. says this, James chapter 5 and verse 7, New Testament Neville. <laughs> Got to check these elders on the reef, eh? Jeez. <laughs> Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you might not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, And you've seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And the context of this is James is writing to a community that perhaps might want to give up. And he tells them how to remain steadfast. But uh, this is, I'm really taking in the context of leaders. How do we remain steadfast as leaders? And and James really helps us. He, he, He shows, he gives us two case studies of what patience looks like. He also shows us what impatience looks like. He says where it comes from and what it will produce. So in this text, we can see two case studies of what does patience look like. Secondly, what does impatience looks like. Thirdly, kind of where does it come from. And fourthly, what does is, what is a patient leadership produce? Yeah, so those four things from this, this text. So James's first two case studies. The first is a farmer, and he says, I want you to consider a farmer. And um, uh, he says, a farmer works really hard. Farmer wakes up before everyone, plows the land, plants, looks after the crops. And uh, he says, but a farmer has to do something that, has, that will help us understand patience. And he says, a farmer has to wait. What does the farmer have to wait for? Two sets of rain the autumn rain, and the spring rain. The autumn rain softens the ground and enables you to plant the seed. Do we have any farmers, by the way? Because, you know, I'm a bit of a city boy and I don't want to be looking stupid. Brilliant. So the the autumn rain is, um, is needed to soften the ground and to plant the seed. And then the farmer goes about his work, planting, tending, weeding, etc. But then for the, the wheat to yield its full yield, the farmer must wait for the spring rain, which causes it to ripen. And he's really, what, what James is saying, he's saying, in the leadership capacity, you've got some work to do. Because what is the role of leaders? 
it's to see others mature in Christ. As Paul says, that Christ be formed in you, yeah? That's the role of leaders, is to see Christ formed in others. And that is work. That's not just a prayer on a Sunday. That is actually discovering where they're at and seeing where they need to grow and encouraging them and resourcing them and releasing it. And that is hard work. But he says that there is a partnership. And if you don't understand the partnership, you'll become impatient as leaders. And if you've never become an impatient leader, probably you're not leading. Seriously. Um, or, and so impatience is, is, is there's a partnership there. And your role is actually to use the gifts that God has given you to shape Christ within that person. But then there's God's role. And God's role is to breathe life into your work. And if you try and take God's role, you're going to get into trouble. It's the same with parenting. We play a role. We shape our children. But only Christ can come and bring about life. Yeah? And the greatest temptation, and it's the same with parenting, it's the same with leadership in the church, and it's the same in the work environments. Generally, if you're a leader, you've got a vision. You've got something that you want to see happen. That's why you're a leader. It might be a vision for your child. It might be a vision for your wife. <laughs> it might be a vision for your husband, who you want him to be. It might be a vision for your work environment. Certainly, it is a vision for this church. You've got a vision. This church is created to be a church that resources the city and the nation. This church is created that those who are broken and are lonely can come and receive life and a family. Yes, you guys need to say amen to this because it's your church. Come on, guys, you're African. Come on. <laughs> amen. Amen. She's, I'm going to bring up my own fan club next time. There is, there is the, the dream and vision that God has given us, and the greatest temptation of every leader is to try and play both roles. With good intentions, you want to see that person mature. You want to see your child grow up. You want to see the, your, your work accomplish the, the things that you have. Am I right, guys? And you just step into God's, God's work, and you start in the flesh to do that which only God can do in the Spirit. And what happens is that you become impatient. That's the sign of impatience is that you failed to wait for God's work in your own life and in your children and in those you lead in your work. That's what impatience is, is when you decide you're going to take control. You see, because a farmer can do nothing about the rain. Agreed. Can do nothing. Uh, he, he can dance. He can run around a fire naked. Uh, he can pray to his ancestors. Um, it's not going to help. Only God brings the rain. And so the incredible thing about spiritual leadership, physical leadership is different, but spiritual leadership is so much of what you do is beyond your control. Yeah? And that's the difficult thing about leadership. And the, 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 the posture or the characteristic of a maturing leadership team is saying, Lord, we'll do our bit and we trust you to do your bit. And even if that takes a generation, we'll wait. Yeah? And that's probably been uh, the story of, of, of my leadership journey of coming up to 16 years. Our church has got rich and poor and uh, black and white and different languages. And so much of what we want to do, it's almost impossible. We try and we try and we try and do this and we try and do that. And it just fails and fails. And so you get a bit impatient. 
get a bit impatient. And so you start to, you start to use your leadership ability to do things. And it never works. And impatient response never produces fruit. James is saying, hey, listen, if you don't wait for that spring rain and you think, listen, this spring rain's never going to come, that wheat is going to dry. Let me just harvest it now. And so at least we've got something. If you do that, your fruitfulness or the crop is significantly diminished as if you had, as if, if you had not just waited for the spring rain. And I promise you, this is the most difficult thing of leadership, is actually waiting and actually continuing to work. Not just waiting, not doing anything, but you're waiting. And so most of the guys that we lead have had no fathers. And we, you know, you know everything rises and falls on leadership. And so if you, you want to produce leaders, but it's so difficult to produce leaders with men who've had no fathers because they keep doing things that show they've had no fathers. Am I making sense to you? They keep acting in a way that proves they've had no fathers and that disqualifies them for the period of, um, of leading. And you go, Lord, this guy needs to get his act together. And you respond not with patience, but impatience. doesn't produce anything. And so, James, that example is still helpful for us today. Still helpful. And um, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but only God brings the increase. I know we know this. You know, of course you know the scripture. But it has to become a reality. The second case study that he gives us is Job. James says, oh, by the way, there's another case study for patience. Because what does it look like? Firstly, it looks like, firstly, it looks like so much of your life is out of your control. Trust God in that process. Don't step into God's domain. Secondly, he says, what does patience look like? It looks like Job. Okay, that's... Uh, that's not that helpful because Job's life is characterized by loss and suffering. He says there's two parts to patience. Number one is you wait. You wait upon the Lord and you don't take his role. Secondly, you look at Job. And as you study Job, you see a man who was placed under more suffering. Maybe only Jesus went through more suffering and, um, and everything taken away. And um, he was able to endure and say this, Lord, you give and you take away. Blessed be your name. I don't like that song. I can't stand singing. You give and take away. And uh, it's a, you know, that's an easy song to sing. Very difficult to live out. And I'd say maturing leadership is you have to be able to embrace suffering. You, you, you got to realize if you're not willing to embrace suffering as a leader, you will not endure. You will say things like, I feel my season in this is over. I feel like God's wanting me to move me on. I feel God's wanting me to have a new ministry. I feel like I need to have a new job. Because the pressure um, is so severe um, that, 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 that you, you think surely God can't be in this thing. And, and, and James says, actually it is, my friends. It's not only suffering, but it's a large part. 
Am I right? It's a large fart. Mike's smiling. Um, and we're not looking for suffering, but it's a large part um, of, of actually leading people. You lose your patience with your wife, you bruise her, yeah? Wives, you lose your patience with your husband, you bruise your husband. So, patience looks like a farmer and it looks like Job. It looks like waiting and it looks like suffering. What does impatience look like? James says it looks like grumbling. You know, you just begin to moan. You begin to moan about the government. You begin to moan about the country. You begin to moan about your job. You begin to moan about the church. You grumble. You moan. Yeah, it's a sign that you're impatient. You know, we think impatience is like, you know, you're in the car and the car's like stopping you and you hoot. That's not impatience. That's just frustration. You know, verging on anger. That's another sermon. <laughs> um, so, impatience, James says, hey, don't grumble. Grumble is a, is, is a sign that you've actually forgotten what God is, is actually doing. Um, I think... Um, Impatience is when you fail to see what God is going to do long term. You fail to fully understand what God is going to do long term produces short term impatience. Yeah? Um, you moan. You want to give up. You know, um, if you came and visited us on a Sunday and you caught us on a good Sunday, you would say, wow. God has done amazing things. But I want to tell you, I've wanted to give up so many times, 16 years. And people say, like, you've done so well, Brendan. And, um, um, and the only thing I can say that we've done well is we did not give up. We wanted to give up many, many times. Um, we got broken into 80 times. And um, uh, uh, when the alarm company phoned me, my hand started to shake because I was so traumatized by the number of burglaries that we had to deal with. The one time, the guy stole our speaker and ran across the road and got hit. And the speaker went flying. And so he was in the police van, locked up. It's like, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm out in the church. And uh, the guy's like behind the bars, he says, I'm going to keep coming back until I get the speaker. Hey, I got traumatized. I wanted to give up so many times. And I think the only thing that, um, and an opportunity came for us to, to move, a wonderful opportunity. And somehow, you know, somehow the Holy Spirit was kind enough to, to constrain us. I really mean that. I feel like the only thing that's happened in, in, in what we've done is that the Holy Spirit has constrained us. Not like we're the heroes, we're going to stick it out. God has called us here. God, you're, we didn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't great faith. It was the kindness of the Holy Spirit to keep us there. And um, I want to say to you that impatience is you want to give up. And so it's helpful to know when you want to give up, it's not, it's not God all the time. It's just impatience. And you go, okay, Lord, I'm impatient. Help me. Probably the biggest sign of impatience is a lack of joy. Probably the biggest sign of impatience in your life is a lack of joy. You just lost joy. Because you failed, you just, your, your eyes are totally consumed with 
the frustrations maybe in your marriage or maybe with your children or maybe with work or the church and the things that you've dreamed of versus reality and you just go like, oh, I didn't plan this way and you just lose your joy. Um, and so we've seen what patience looks like. We've seen what impatience looks like. And now the thing that we really want to know is, where does it come from? That's the thing we want to know, yeah? Because this is how, this is what normally we, we do. We go, you know, that guy is so patient. He's so calm. He's got the gift of patience, yeah? As for me, I've got other gifts, yeah? But patience is not one of them. Yes? Can you identify with that? I wasn't given with that gift. The truth is, patience is not a gift. It's a fruit. It's not a gift. It's a fruit. If you think it's a gift, you'll never do the work of allowing the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit. Because you'll just think, I don't have that gift. Cool, I'm let off. No, it's not a gift. God does not give gifts of patience to people. Okay, that's sorted. So you can't hide behind that lie. I don't have the gift of patience. There are some temperaments that are more patient than others. But no one has the gift of patience. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the patient man is the man or woman who has learned to allow the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit. Where does it come from? James says, therefore, establish your hearts, in verse 8, for the Lord is coming. He says, okay, how do you actually, how, you know, when, when, um, when things aren't going what you planned for, or when that gap between what you had in mind and what the reality is, how, how do you navigate that gap with patience? James says, this is what you do, you remind yourself, you say, speak to your heart and say, hey, I just want to remind you of a bigger perspective heart. Jesus is returning. He's coming back to make everything right. He is making everything new. New heaven, new earth. No more tears. No more pain. No more guys sleeping with girls and making them pregnant. No more abortions. No more all the stuff that impacts our lives. Okay, because of that, and we know that he's returning, it gives us a confidence to endure. Patience, because you know that Jesus is returning. Um, the spring rain will come. The spring rain will come. You know, it will come. Absolutely, the spring rain is going to come. Jesus will return. Revelations 21 talks about something of what that will look like. So I want to tell you that for, for me, a scripture that has shaped this patience is this from Ecclesiastes. It says, he makes everything beautiful in his time. So, so much of our church is, is broken lives. And I'm a white guy leading a predominantly African church. My ability to shape Jesus across so many cultures is quite low. I, I literally, I can do maybe 1% of what's required in this church to make it grow. 1%, it's not a lot. Maybe one and a half percent on a good day. So what do we do with the other 98%? Hey, Lord, you make everything beautiful in this time. So this young guy that I'm talking about, that's, I just go, hey, Lord, you've got to make something beautiful out of this, this guy's life. You know? I've got so many young guys in that, in that place where, hey, Lord, you make everything beautiful in this, in this time. And we have to believe that in our marriages and in our children and in our church. We must believe that. That the work of God, we work hard, but we have to have a confidence that God makes everything beautiful in His time. Therefore, you know, because um, the, the greater the degree that you have of control of an influence, the more that you want to influence 
and want to bring, make things right. And at any one time, in our context, we've got so many people like that, that, have, that, are, that aren't doing well, that have got re- big realities that we need to walk through. I'm going to get exhausted. I, just go, I actually can't even get to this guy, and our eldership team can't get to this guy. I'm just going, okay, Lord, I've just got to trust you that you're going to make something beautiful in time. Yeah? It's a, it's a weighty theological truth. Where does patience come from? It comes from an understanding time, not your time. And some of the things you might not even see in your time. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, um, He will complete the good work that He started in you. And so... Um, uh, mm, comes from establishing your heart it comes from an understanding of the nature of God and then I think it comes from understanding that God is patient with you and me yeah, yeah? I think an impatient heart is, 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 is a heart that's under that has forgotten how patient God is with you yeah would you take a moment to think how patient God has been with you what is patient it means long suffering it means he's suffered a lot for you he's, he's had to suffer many times for you well let me just talk about me because uh, you know, I'm sure that you don't fall into that category. I do. God has been exceptionally, exceedingly, extravagantly, graciously patient with me. And therefore, what I've received, I can, I can give. So Paul says, I'm the chief of all sinners, yet I was shown mercy that God might display his perfect patience. And so I said to you that patience is a fruit, not a gift. It's, it's, a, it's a, if God is perfectly patient, and as we become more and more Christ-like, then would you agree that patient, you should be growing in patience? Husbands, you should be becoming more patient with your wife and your children. Elders, you should be becoming more patient with your people. Deacons, you should be becoming more patient. Yeah, patience is something that should be growing as we become more Christ-like. Does anyone say Amen. Because it's good and it's true. Isn't it interesting, friends? Because you guys, one of the things that when I listened to you last night, the kind of predominant word that I heard is, in this place I'm loved. And it's a very special word. I'm imagining, Mike, you just birthed that. Um, and such a special word. It's, it's a beautiful word for a church to be characterized by love and grace. But what does Paul say about love? Because love looks like something. And in, 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 in Corinthians, he says, let me tell you what love looks like. Love is patient. The first attribute that comes to Paul's mind that love looks like is patient. Isn't it that interesting? Hey? That you would think of many other things that display love, not patience. But the first one that comes to Paul's mind is, let me think how I've received What's the most extravagant way, the first way that comes to mind, the way that I view the love of God? Let me think, ah, it's patient. Therefore, let me tell you, love is patient. Patient. Long suffering. And so um, where it comes from, it comes from the Father. And so in, uh, patience comes from, we grow in patience when we reflect on the nature of God and who He is and how He deals with people. Then, what does it produce? So we've looked at what it looks like, what it doesn't look like, where it comes from, but what does it produce? Um, the Word of God says that um, 
it produces, in verse 11, compassion and mercy to flow. Um, in other words, the, if, you had to, if you had to have an indicator of how patient you are, you know, like a petrol gauge, whether your tank is full or empty, the way that you measure patience is the amount of compassion and mercy that you display to others now, today, this afternoon. That would be a good indicator of your patience level because that's what the Word of God says. It says that um, uh, compassion and mercy flows. Um, and um, you've seen the purposes of, of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And so um, leaders, leaders of this precious church, there is a call upon you to mature in faith and patience, just as the afternoon we're doing on, on patience. And um, the role of leaders in the area of patience is to be vessels of the mercy and compassion of the Lord. And... Um, uh, that's that's the one of the gifts that you bring to the church, not just this rah rah. We're going to take the nations. No, no, we're just patient and and merciful with you. Uh, and so, um, I want to call you to grow in this gift. I want to challenge you to mature in this gift, all of us, um, because it's the most beautiful gift. Love is patient. Let's stand. Is it okay if I take some time to pray? Terry, can you play the key, keyboard? And if you need to be ministered to, you can as well. You don't have to work this time. Just um, pretty simple um, this afternoon. We talked about um, two rains. Uh, first rain, autumn rain, just softens the, softens the soil. And uh, maybe your heart's gone a bit hard and you need the autumn rain. Your heart's just gone hard from the realities of your life and your circumstances, and you know it's gone hard. And I want to pray for you. And then maybe there's the spring rain, that, that, that rain that just brings the life of God, it just brings fruitfulness. And you're in a season to say, Lord, I've just, I'm, I've been waiting for so long over my life, over my marriage, over my work, over the people. I just, I just want to see the spring rain come. And I'm, um, it's God's work. I can't do anything. I can't, can't make the spring rain come. I can't make the autumn rain come, but I'm going to trust that He does, even if it's just a start. So would you open your hearts and just allow um, God to do something special in your heart? Um, and uh, sometimes just by a posture of our hands, you guys are well trained. You just all open up your hands. Jeez. Sometimes it's a posture of our hands. Just yield to the Lord. And you know whether you need the spring rain or the autumn rain or both. So, Lord, I bring your precious leaders before you. Your precious leaders, Lord. And, Lord, every single one of us, we run out of patience, Lord. The realities of life, Lord, we don't have bottomless patience. We get frustrated and we get angry. And we start to do things in our own strength. 
And Father, I pray that you'd release your autumn rain, the power of your Holy Spirit upon your people now. A powerful rain that is able to take hard hearts and produce soft ground that seeds can be planted, seeds that will produce strong yellow woods. And then I pray, Lord, for the spring rain. Pray for it over individuals. I pray for it for marriage. But in particular, I pray for it over this church. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring the spring rain that causes the wheat to ripen for harvest. And it's just a work of your grace, Lord. But we're asking you and we're being very specific. Holy Spirit, would you send your spring rain and would there be evidence of that in this church? A new season of fruitfulness. A new season of just the evidence of your grace in a much clearer way. Um, A new season of the joy of your presence, Lord. And um, so we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And uh, Lord, we want to say thank you in advance for the promises that you have over this church will come into being. And so in 10 years' time, if we had to meet again, we would celebrate, those of us who are here this afternoon, we would celebrate and say, Lord, you have been so amazing. You've done far more than what we've ever imagined. You've healed lives. You've saved lives. You've sent people to nations. You've planted churches. You've just done amazing things, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that the test in me over the next 10 years would be patient leaders and leaders growing in patience for a display of your glory, Lord. And so come do that now, Lord.